0: Good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you on this. Is it summer, spring? I don't know. It's kind of messing with me, but it's a beautiful day, I hope. Y'all pray for our students that are going to be at camp this week. We need a weather to change in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's so good to be with you. I want you to know last week, my wife and I were, were away, and every time we're away, um, my heart just it beats for you. Like, honestly, I just, I'm so torn because I want to be with you and watch the service. Want to give a shout out to Mr. Don Kelly for bringing an amazing message. Thank you, Don. Uh, So great. Jumping in the middle of this series, it's so awesome that this church has such amazing men and women of God to just jump in when uh, my wife and I are not here and I'm not able to preach for you. But I missed you. I missed you, and I thought about you, loved you, watched our services, but I'm just, I'm pumped to be here with you today and to preach the word that God gave me for you. We're right in the middle of this message series called Everyday Saints, and really the whole premise of this message series is that God, because of what Jesus did on the cross, forgave us of our sins, cleansed us of all of our unrighteousness, and not only did that, but then he gives us his grace, his supernatural empowerment to live a godly life, and and Paul calls us saints, that we're no longer sinners. And so our new identity in Christ is saints. And yet we are called to live out that identity in Christ every single day. So I hope this message series has been a blessing to you. And today, um, um, this may be, and I know this is preacher talk, right? This may be the most important message that I preached to you out of this whole Message series. I really believe that. But before I jump into the message, a uh, couple things. Number one, next week is Father's Day. Kids, y'all get your presents for your dad ready. Okay, I got five kids. Yesterday I was shopping with my youngest, and I'm kind of pointing out, yeah, Dad likes that. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> little 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 hands here. But hey, we've got a fun Sunday plan for you here at Hope Church. Uh, rumor has it. I cannot uh, confirm or deny. But I have heard a rumor that there may be a car outside that has a sledgehammer that you might be able to hit. So if you got a little pent up aggression as a dad or something, man, don't take it out on your kids. Hold on, we've got the, we've got it for you. Come next week and you'll be able to swing away, have some fun. Hey man, this is even better than ax throwing, right? Come on, who doesn't like a yeah. smash a car? That'd be fun, we've got some fun stuff. We're gonna have some dad's root beer. It's gonna be a good time. So mamas, kids, bring your dad to church. It's gonna be a fun day in the house. I also just wanna give a shout out to all of you who are joining us online. We love that you're joining us online and our Hope Church family in Eureka. Come on church, can we give it up for our family in Eureka? We love you guys, Pastor Jeremy. Love, 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 love what God is doing up there. I got to go up there a couple of weeks ago and preach on our third anniversary. And to celebrate all that God is doing. The church is thriving, growing, reaching people, coming to faith in Christ, getting healed, set free, and delivered. And uh, I'm I'm pumped about it. Can't wait to see all that God does up there. So thank you for your continued prayers. But um, I want to preach to you out of a passage this morning, out of Luke chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 25. And really, let me just set this up for you before I read it to you this morning. The whole time, Jesus, from the minute that he started his earthly ministry, the religious leaders of the day were trying to figure out who this man Jesus is. What's he all about? Like, what does he stand for? What does he believe in? They're watching him and observing him and how he acts, and there's something different about this man. It's okay if I preach a little Jesus to you this morning. I love man. I love our our praise and worship this morning. We exalt the name of Jesus. It's the name above every name. He is Jesus. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Come on, somebody. And, and <laughs> that's my King. <laughs> that's my Jesus. And, um, and all this time, these religious people, Jesus comes in, in the middle of the mess of life and he's healing people that are sick, that, that the religious people believed they were sick because of their sin in their life. And Jesus comes to the outcasts in society. He comes and he ministers to the broken, the sinners, the prodigals, the prostitutes, the gangsters, the people that didn't believe like the Jewish people believed, didn't live like the Jewish people live. And yet these are the very people that Jesus came to heal, set free, and deliver. And he was doing just that. He was doing amazing miracles. This is the man, Jesus And the whole time, these religious leaders and Pharisees and and the people that were responsible for carrying the heart of God to the people had gotten stuck in this place of following rules and regulations and forgetting the real reason why we even obey those commands. It's all about loving God and loving people. And they couldn't figure him out. And so oftentimes, they would come to him sometimes in private, sometimes in public, and they would ask him questions. And they not only asked them questions because they really wanted to know the answer, but oftentimes they would ask him questions to catch him in something where they could, they could accuse him of not being who he said he is. And so today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where just that, this religious leader comes to Jesus, and he wants to challenge him or test him to see how he's going to answer And I just love this person, Jesus, every time somebody would come, oftentimes actually, somebody would come to try to do just that, try to test him or catch him, you know, answering your question the wrong way, he oftentimes would answer a question with the question back. Because while they were looking for a technical answer, Jesus was always looking for the heart. And when he asks us a question, oftentimes it's because he's testing, where's your heart behind the question? And so here we pick up the story. The title of this passage is called The Parable of the Good Samaritan. The Parable of the Good Samaritan. A parable is simply a short story that has a spiritual truth connected to it. It says this, On one occasion, an expert in the law, a lawyer, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied. (laughs) He comes back at him with a question. And he says, how do you read it? I love that. Hey, you're the lawyer. How do you read it? What do you think? You're the expert in the law. Why don't you tell me? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this And you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and exactly, just like a good lawyer, exactly, who is my neighbor? Come on, what what is the asterisk? What is the loophole here? Who exactly is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus tells him a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road, a saint. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, now at this point in the story, Let me just tell you, when Jesus said a Samaritan, in the the crowd, there would have been a... (gasps) Because the Samaritans were hated by Jews. They were enemies, considered enemies of Jewish people because they were, in their terms, half-breds. Their race and their beliefs were a little bit different, and so they were considered enemies. So the fact that Jesus would actually use a Samaritan in this story was a shocker, was scandalous, controversial at best. And he says, a man was coming from Jerusalem, attacked by robbers, stripped him of his clothes, and happened to be, um, I'm sorry, I messed up there. And a Samaritan, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now that word pity can also be translated compassion. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, denarii was about a year's worth of wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Now... Which one of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your word that challenges us, convicts us. But most of all, we thank you that it changes us. So today, Father God, I pray that you would anoint me to preach your word this morning and unpack the truth of it. And Father, I pray for every single person here present and those watching online. I pray that you would open our hearts to be able to receive the word that you have for us. Let it be like a seed planted in our heart that goes deep, takes root, and produces life, peace, joy, and character change so that we become more like you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, church, would you do me a favor? Would you pray with me for our nation? I just have this conviction that to continue to pray for our nation. And so I want you to pray with me, pray out loud as I'm praying for our nation. Amen? Father, we thank you that we have the honor and privilege to live in the United States of America. We thank you for the great men and women who sacrificed and risked their lives so that we could be afforded the freedoms to worship you and and to live in this great nation. But Father, we pray that you would forgive us from turning from you and to worshiping other gods, and that you would forgive us and heal our land. God, we pray that you would sweep over this great nation once again, that you would send revival to this nation once again, God. God, we need your presence and we need your power to sweep over this nation or we are dead in the water without you. Father, would you, we pray for our capital, Washington, D.C., We pray for our Congress. God, we pray for our president and vice president. God, we pray that if they do not know you, that they would come to saving faith in you and that they would surrender to lead this country according to your word and according to your values. Lead us back to you. Lead this nation back to you, God. God, let it begin with me. Let it begin with Hope Church. Let it begin in the Flathead Valley. Let it begin in the great state of Montana and let it sweep over this country in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen 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 amen. the title of my message to you this morning is the other side of love when I read this passage what struck me so much about it is is you have this religious leader a saint if you will let me put it to you in modern day terms this would be this would be you it would be me It would be those who have put their faith in Jesus and consider themselves Christians. And and yet, there's three men in the story. Two of them are saints, Jewish people, brothers, and they see their own brother in Christ that is hurting, beaten, stripped, and left half dead. And yet, they see the man, and instead of going to that side or staying on that side of the road they choose to pass by on the other side. And I was blown away by the fact that these two men saw this man who was in need, was broken, was hurting, and yet somehow were too busy, somehow didn't have enough compassion, somehow thought maybe they weren't prepared to meet this man's needs and to minister to him, but they separated themselves from where he was at. And in doing so, they kept going on their journey. Now, to understand this, you actually have to understand the way Jewish people thought back then. The Jewish people thought that holiness comes from their personal relationship with God in obeying the law, and that as long as I am in right standing with God, I cannot, I have to separate myself from those people who are deemed unclean, unholy, sinners, not like me, not not the way they think, not the way they believe, that if for some reason that I uh, had relationship with them, ate with them, was around them, that somehow their sinfulness, their unholiness would contaminate my holiness. So what they were constantly doing is separating themselves for the sake of holiness. And in doing so, we're dividing and leaving the people who needed God most on the side of the road. Now, I love this story because this road, this road from Jericho to Jerusalem was a common road where commerce would happen. It was, it, it was, it was an everyday life road. It was the place where people did business. It was the road where they would uh, do business along the way. They would travel back and forth. It was a very common road, but it was also a dangerous road. And I see this as a beautiful picture of our everyday life. That you and I, we go to work, we go to the grocery store, we we go to school, uh, we come to church, and all of us are doing life. And we can look at this man and we could judge him, these two men. And we could say, oh my gosh, how could you? How, how could you just leave this man like that? How could you separate yourself from somebody who is obviously hurting and broken and in need of help, need uh, of ministry, and yet you pass by on the other side? And what Jesus was trying to show this man and what I believe Jesus is trying to show us is that we can't say that we love God and have this relationship vertical relationship with God without having the heart of God to love other people that are on the so- other side of the road. And, and before we judge this man, I think we do the same thing that he did. He, he was trying to justify himself because he didn't do that. He himself, he didn't reach out to help people who were hurting and broken and to share the love of God with him. In fact, He made excuses for it. Think think about all the excuses that this, this man, these two saints, could have came up with. The road's too dangerous for me to stop and help the man. He might be a decoy for an ambush. I've got to get to the temple and perform my service for the Lord. I've got to get home and see my family. Someone really should help this man. If I'm going to serve at the temple, I can't get my clothes bloody. I don't know first aid. I'm, it's, it's a hopeless case. This man's hopeless. It's a waste of time to try to help him. If I'm only one person, the job, this is too big of a job just for me to help. But you know what? I can pray for him. Oh man, that's a good one. How many times would you, oh, oh, I'll pray for you, brother. And do we even really pray? He says he brought it on himself. He should have known better to be all alone on a dangerous road. That was just stupid. You deserve this. Hey, he never asked for help, right? And these two men, they, they could have justified themselves and had all these excuses. But what about us? What are, our, what are our excuses? I'm too busy. I don't have time. I don't know the right answers to give to somebody that's hurting. I don't know how to minister or to help somebody. Come on, I don't know the right words to say, yet my Bible says that I will, that the Holy Spirit, when you are in a position to minister to somebody in need, that he'll give you the right words to say in the moment if you'll just put yourself out there and cross to the other side of the road. But no, we don't do that. We, in fact, as a local pastor, I'm concerned about the state of the church. I'm concerned that probably in the, in the history of the world, in these last two years, we have had the greatest opportunity to let our light shine, to be salt and light, to be the church of Jesus Christ. And instead, we have gone to the other side and we have created dividing lines between Democrats and Republicans, between vaxxers and anti-vaxxers, between Californians and Montanans. Come on, that's no knock on my California friends. I love you, you are welcome in this church, you're welcome in this valley. <laughs> Listen to me, I've been here 23 years, I'm not, I'm not a native Montanan. Like even, I mean, America is, is, we're all, you know, come on, we're all not from here. <laughs> but seriously though, how about this one? Pro-life, anti-pro-choice? And we've created all these lines, us in the church and you in the world, the sanctified and the secular. And we continually cross the other side of the road and create dividing lines between us and the world. And yet, you know the beauty of this story? The beauty of this story is Jesus is the good Samaritan. He's the one that was rejected by man. He was an outsider. He wasn't accepted by his own people, yet he came and he said, I didn't come for the healthy, but I came for those who need a doctor. I came for those who are struggling with sin, that are broken, that they they have their identity, their true identity in Christ stripped from them by the world. They've been beaten up by sin beaten up by the devil, tormented by the devil, living in fear, anxiety, stress, guilt, shame, and are left half dead on the side of the road. And it's people like you and me, and I don't know about you, but this morning, man, I just, I just love Jesus that much more. When I think about this man who came for sinners, he came to cross the other side of love, and to say you cannot love God without loving the people who God loves and has put in your life and in my life to love them and to see them, to recognize that the world has beat them up. We can't blame them. Think about your life. Man, I don't know about you, but I was just thinking so much. I am so grateful for my Aunt Rita, who I was a 19-year-old beat up, stripped of my identity, had no idea who I was, what my purpose in life was. And I was, I was broken. I was rejected. I was dealing with sin in my life and lust issues. And I was left half dead spiritually. I might've been alive physically, but I was dead spiritually. I was just buying time until someday, unless my Aunt Rita, when I was in that condition, she called me up one day on the phone. She knew that I was getting kicked out of my house because I've been partying too much. Anybody else, can you relate? And she heard I needed a place to live, and she only had a one-bedroom apartment. But she called me up and she said, you could come live with me. She said, I'll make a place for you. You don't even have to pay me any rent until you start making, I'll even help you find a job. And she showed me so much love and kindness. And I knew she was religious. And so I expected her to give me all these rules. And you know what her rules were? She said, I only have two. She's like, if you go out and party, I don't want you to drive home. You call me, I don't care what time of night it is. I don't care if it's two in the morning, 5 a.m., you call me, I'm there, I'll come pick you up, I'll drive you home. Rule number two. I'm going to ask you to go to church with me every time I go to church. And you don't have to come, but don't get mad at me for asking. I said, bet. <laughs> Game on. And you know what? She would ask me every week, you want to come to church with me? No, sorry. You want to come to church with me? Nah, no, not my thing. You want to come to church with me? Nah, no, I'd rather sleep in. You want to come to church with me? Nah, no, I kind of like my lifestyle. You want to come to church with me? One day. She must have caught me in a mood. And it was the Holy Spirit working on my life. And I said, okay, I'll go with you. And I went to a church service just like this, full of the presence of God, full of hope. The atmosphere was just ripe with the reality of who God was. And I'll never forget at the end of that service when the pastor gave the invitation, said, man, are you tired of living life on your own? Do you want to know this Jesus? And I said, yes. I raised my hand. I want to know this Jesus. And I walked up to the front, one man, and I walked back a different man. And my life has never been the same. How many of you this morning could say that if it wasn't for somebody in your life that took the time to love you, to recognize, to see you, to know that you were hurting and you were broken, and they were willing to sacrificially love you, unconditionally love you. How many in in the house today could say, I know Jesus today because somebody was willing to do that for me. Come on, hand up. Look all around. Look all around. Because somebody was willing to go to the other side of love. See, it's not just what you know. Notice that Jesus told them, Not you're correct, know this and you will live. This is how a lot of us approach our Christian life. We think it's about a belief system. Yes, Jesus, I believe I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. I believe it. Jesus didn't say, believe it and you will live. No, what did he say? Do this and you will live. Life is in the doing. You have to believe, but belief by itself is not enough. So I got a couple things for you. The first one is this. This is the big idea of the whole message. Loving God means loving people. And loving people means sharing the hope that we have in Jesus every day. You can't be over here and say, I love God. But you know what? There's people that are going to hell. And I just, I'm living my life. They're hurting. They're broken. But you know what? They're not like me. They don't think like me. They're living a lifestyle that I don't agree with. But it says in 1 John 4.20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. That's strong language. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they can see cannot love God whom they cannot see. And he has given us this. It's a command to the church. Not a think about it, hope you like it, maybe put it into practice if you feel like it, if you have enough faith for it. No, he gave us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love his brother and sister. This is a command from God. And yet, for some reason, we are living the Christian life every single day. And I'm telling you, the church has got to get this. We have got to recognize that yes, there is a world out there, that there's a culture that you and I, we don't like. We, we agree on that. We don't agree with their lifestyle, but you don't have to agree with somebody's lifestyle to love them like Christ loved them. And so Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up the wounds, to set captives free. And he did that while he was on earth. But when he left this earth, he commissioned you and he commissioned me with it. And guess what? He washed you clean with his blood, the wine. And he put his spirit in you and anointed you, gave you love, the oil. He gave you both of those things. He gave you mercy. We deserve to die. But by the blood of Jesus, in fact, back in the day, um, the Jew, this is why this man used... Uh, wine and oil. Wine was used as an antiseptic because of the alcohol in it for for open wounds. And so they would pour the wine on it and you know, if you have rubbing alcohol on an open wound, it hurts, right? It, It stings for a moment but then they would put the oil on there, virgin olive oil, as a soothing balm and it would bring healing to him. And he put him on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn. I believe this inn represents the church of God. That, that, there are, that the church isn't just a place for saints to hang out and experience the power and the presence of God. And I know we're Holy Spirit people and we love that. I love it too, more, just as much as anybody. But I'm telling you, we cannot become a club for saints that the church of God is called to be a hospital for the broken, the hurting, the sinners. And I have a dream that this house would be full of people that can feel free to come in that are hurting, broken. But here's the problem. People don't walk around with signs that says, I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm half dead. No, they come into church. Hey, Pastor Lance, high five. Everything's good. Life is good. You know, at the Copa, Copa Cabana. And we play this game and we put on masks. And we pretend like we're okay. I bet you that right now in this room, there's some of you that are hurting. You feel broken inside, and I'm here to tell you and preach to you the good news, man. I'm so impassioned by the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power to see people get saved. And and I'm telling you, the presence of Jesus is here to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal your brokenness and your wounds. But even right here, there's some amongst us that are sitting right by us that we don't even think because they're not wearing a sign. Do this and live. We gotta do it. It's not enough to talk about it in here. It's not enough to say amen, pastor. It's not enough to highlight it in our Bible. It's not enough to know it. The living and the life, the eternal life that comes is in the doing is in showing people the love of Christ. God commissioned you and me, and he put his spirit inside of you, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I am commissioned, I am a sanctified saint filled with the Holy Ghost, commissioned by God to live it out every single day. James 2, 14 through 17, in the message says this. Dear friends, do you think that you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything. Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags, half-starved, and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that one. Hey, I know you're beaten up. Your life's a mess. And you're hurting right now. Oh, bless you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. See ya. And we go on our way. That's exactly what we do. He goes on to say this and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that, love this, you got to get it. God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. It's nothing. We're nothing without love. I could prophesy with tongues of angels, speaking tongues of angels, I could do miracles. But if I never cross, get outside the church, and get out into the streets where people do life, and I'm willing to get down on my hands and knees and minister to somebody. Do you know that we're scared by that word minister? But the word minister simply means to help someone in need. None of this, none of this matters if we're not willing to do this. Take sacrifice. You can't love without sacrifice. So how do, we, how do we do this? I got two things for you and then we'll wrap it up. We need to be aware and be prepared. Be aware and be prepared. Be aware, first one, be aware of divine appointments. Every, I believe this firmly. Every single day, I don't believe in happenstance. In fact, it was, it was funny, in this passage, um, the word, it just so, it, it's like it was saying, by chance, there was this man who saw this man, and he was there at that time. By chance, by happenstance, by some circumstance, he was there. no. He was there by divine appointment. And you have, to, you have to be, your awareness and my awareness needs to grow. We need to actually see people. I love what it says. Look at, in verse 33. It says, the Samaritan, as he traveled, in other words, so right about now you might be like, Yes, and this is what we do in the church. Let's get a campaign together, and let's go out and help every person that is stuck on the side of the road. We'll have a, a AAA ministry, and everybody that's stuck on the side of the road that's hurting, we'll help them. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm, I gotta help everybody. There's people around me. No, 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 don't do that. You'll drive yourself crazy. You just need to be aware of who God has placed in your path. Don said it last week, your walking stick. This represents, as he traveled, as you're going through life, everyday life, by the way, as you're going to work, as you're going to uh, school, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're going to get gas, as you're traveling, as you're going. But look what he did. He didn't just go about his business. He saw the man, and where the others passed by on the other side, he didn't do that. It says that he came to where the man was. Do you know that there's a world outside these doors that are waiting for the church of Jesus Christ to come to where they are? We want them to come to where we are. Come to church. You know, come to believe the way we believe, and you'll be accepted. This man chose the other side of love which is, I'm going to come to you. This is, this is Pride Month. My wife and I were just in San Francisco. I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot to see that our world is quickly changing. Culture is quickly changing. And I know that's challenging us. But the reality is, I'll never forget, we have a friend at this house, Miss Pat Caven. Love her. And Pat came to this church. She talked, she talked to us leaders, and she told us her story about how God uh, healed her and redeemed her out of a lesbian lifestyle. And I'll never forget what she told me. She said, you know what started ch- turning my heart towards God? There was this gay pride parade, and on one side of the street, there was churches and Christians who had signs that said, you're going to hell. You Go home with your... We- We're taking the rainbow back. I I agree, okay? Hear me. Hear what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. And over on the other side of the street, there were people that had signs that said, God loves you. He sees you. Everybody right now wants to be seen. And it's an indication of something that's going on in the soul of humanity. They want to be accepted. They're looking for a place where people will accept them and love them just the way they are so that God can come into their life. Hey, he never taught us. Jesus never stood on the other side of the street and said, you prostitute, you got caught in adultery like the other religious men did. He never judged her. What did he do? bent down and he came near her and he said, woman, where are your accusers? You're not going to find it here. He showed her love and acceptance in spite of her sin, in spite of how she was living her life. And it was what changed her. My Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's not the judgment of the church. And yet we're so busy pointing fingers and telling people how wrong they are and how they need to change and and how they need to think and vote. And believe me, I'm all for political activism as a Christian. But when that becomes the thing, instead of people and loving people, I wonder if we've crossed the other side of the road. And maybe, just maybe, we need to come back to the other side and to see people in their humanity, in their... How many of us actually have taken time to come close enough to get to know somebody? Help me, instead of judging them, try to understand what they've been through. Walk a mile in their shoes. Because I promise you this, if you actually come close enough to get to know them and you want to see them, who they really are, not the veneer, but if you get close enough to build a relationship with them, to see who they really are, you know what you'd find out? They're stripped. They don't know who they are. Just like you and I didn't know who we are. They're they're hurting. They're broken. They're bleeding out. And they're half dead. They're alive, physically living. But the other half of them, their soul is dark, It's dead. They're living in fear and shame and guilt. And all God is saying is, You can't love me and walk by people that are like that, in that condition. And if my church, if my people would just get the heart of God and be willing to be aware of divine appointments, this was a divine appointment. How many divine appointments are we missing? Because we're, we're so aware of our own needs, we're missing out on the needs of other people. Paul says, don't just look out for your own interests. But if we're going to be honest with each other, most of the time we're just in our own little world, doing our own little thing. We got our to-do list, and we're not aware There are people sitting in a cubicle next to me, in a house next door, in a desk in front of me that are broken and hurting. And they need Jesus. And you and I have been commissioned to be his hands and feet. The third and last thing is this we need to be aware. God will place divine appointments around you. So if you're going to recognize them, the last thing is we need to be prepared to share Jesus every day. We got to be prepared. Something that struck me about this man, where did he get the oil and the wine and the bandages? He had a little, you know, you know the little dogs, the, the St. Bernard's, you know, the ski, a little barrel. Did he have a little barrel? Did he have a little, you know, Dora backpack? I don't know, with bandages. And did, did wine all of a sudden appear? No. This guy actually was prepared. He thought, maybe, just maybe, on my way to where I'm going, there might be somebody that's hurting. And just in case, I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to be prayed up. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit. This is why your personal time with God is so important. Every single day. None of this works without that personal time with Jesus, because it's in that time that God's heart gets downloaded into your heart. That your eyes, Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. How many, we don't, just see physically, there's a spiritual seeing that we need to be able to recognize when God has put somebody. There's just sometimes that you just know this is a God moment. This is a God relationship. God just strategically placed you. There's some of you who are here today. Today's your divine appointment. God put you here today. Somebody invited you. You weren't going to come to church. You came with a friend. I don't know why you're here, but it's not by chance. It's a divine appointment. God wants to touch you. He wants to heal you. My wife and I, I told you we were away last week, and um, whenever I travel, I love to travel. Whenever I travel, I like to find out, you know, hey, where's the cool restaurants? So I'm a Yelper, and I'm a foodie, so I like to find, you know, give me the good, let me find out the good restaurants, the good coffee shops, places to go and see, and that. So we went to the visitor center of the city that we were in. And we're in the visitor center, and my wife is talking to the lady behind the counter, and she's really knowledgeable, she's awesome. She's a young lady, maybe uh, around 30. And she's telling my wife all the things, you know, about the city, and it's great. And I love my wife. She's way holier than I am. She told me not to say that. But I'm telling you, she is. No, but what I love about her is she's really sensitive to the spirit and to the promptings and leadings of God. Sometimes guys can not be. Right, Every woman said, amen. That's why I love women. That's why we need women in ministry, by the way. Because sometimes they'll have discernment that guys will miss. Whole another story. I ain't preaching that right now. But the lady gets done, and my wife says, I really feel led to pray for you. Is there anything that we could pray for you about? The lady kind of just stepped back a little bit in shock. And you could see kind of her countenance change. And she said, well, um, actually, I'm in the middle of a divorce right now. And I'm really hurting. And you could see that she's just trying to hold back the emotions. But inside, she's bleeding out. Bleeding out. Half dead. So my wife says, I'm going to pray for you. And then I told her, hey, we're here on this trip and and we're visiting this awesome church here. It's called the Father's House. And and you need to go to this church. You need to connect with somebody in this church. And that's why I I love the church. I'm, I'm passionate about the church. I've got zeal for the church because I believe the church is a home and a house and a hospital for the broken and the hurting. And that, you know, there's a lot of people that are famous for a lot of different things in the Bible. I mean, you got David. He's famous for taking down Goliath. You got, you know, Abraham. He's the father of many nations. And, and you got Moses and the burning bush. And you got all these different, different characters, people in the Bible that are famous for a lot of things. But you know, one guy that isn't famous, very famous, that we don't think about him, but I love, it's Andrew. Andrew's one of the 12 disciples. He doesn't get a lot of fanfare, you don't hear a lot about Andrew in the Bible, but you wanna know what Andrew's known for? Andrew is known for the guy who first met Jesus and recognized that he's the Messiah, and then he went and got Peter and said, oh my goodness, I've met the Messiah. You've gotta meet him too. I've met this man that is gonna change my life, and he's gonna change Israel's destiny forever. He's the Messiah, I believe it, and I want you to meet him, come with me. That's what we're called to do in the church. Man, if if we would just be like Andrew, if we would just be people that have the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling men to himself, not counting their sins against them, and now he's given us the ministry of reconciliation and that we have been commissioned to take people and say, hey, I want to introduce you to this man who changed my life. His name's Jesus. You got to come to church with me. You got to find him because I'm telling you, if you find him, Never be the same. First Peter three fifteen. Peter understood this. Peter was led to Jesus by Andrew. We hear a lot about Peter, but there's no Peter without Andrew. There's no Lance without Aunt Re. She brought me to Jesus. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. That means His agenda, His values are my values. What he loves, I love. You love people? Then I'm going to revere you as Lord, and I'm going to love people. All people, because you love people. And then he says this, always be what? Prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks the reason for the hope that you have. And I love this last part, but do this with gentleness and what? Respect. Honor people. We're different from you, think different, live different, but we still need to honor and respect them as people that God died to save, just like you and me. We got to be prepared. What does that look like? I already shared part of it is it's spending time with God. In your personal time with God, reading the word, it gets in you. Love for people gets in you because the love of God gets poured into you. Be intentional. I love John Maxwell. I love John Maxwell for his leadership material and resources, but I love, John Maxwell used to be a pastor. And what he does every single year, this is a practice of his, every single year going into the new year, he writes a list of people that he wants to intentionally pray for. Pray into the kingdom. Pray that there's a God divine appointment, and he has an open door and opportunity to share Jesus with them. And then he looks for it. What if we did the same thing? What if you started thinking about the people in your life, your oikos, as the Bible would call it, the Greek word for your sphere of influence, the people at your work, the people in your neighborhood, the people you know that that you have relationship with already? And what if you started praying for them and intentionally were prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have? Man, there's power in the testimony. You've got a story. You've got a story. You've got a story. You've got a story. Your story is powerful. It's the most powerful weapon that you possess to overcome every work of the enemy in your life and other people's life. My Bible says in Revelation 12 that we overcome, we conquer by two things the blood of the Lamb, the wine. And the power of the word of our testimony. I've got a testimony. Come on. This is my testimony from death to life. Come on, where's the worship team when I need them? I need backup vocals, man. I can't carry this thing on my own. But you got a testimony. You got a story to tell. And it is the most powerful weapon against the enemy. People can't argue with your testimony. They could try to convince you, oh, the world is 15 billion years old, and, you know, Elon Musk is the, is the antichrist, and, you know, whatever, the metaverse, the, the, the vaccine is the mark of the beast, all that. But you know what? None of that matters when somebody loves you. You can't argue with love. You can't argue with, I used to be this person, and now I'm this person. Look what it says, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 in the message. This is our whole life verse, and then I'm going to wrap this up. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work as saints. Chosen, you, you're chosen to be a holy person, to be a saint. God's instruments to do his work, and to what? Speak out for him to tell others about the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Come on, can I get an amen, somebody? That's my God. So what if, by being prepared, you had a 60-second, your testimony, you prepared it, wrote it down, memorized it, three things. My life used to be like this. I met Jesus. This is how I met him. This is how he changed my life. Now my life looks like this. It's we make this thing way too complicated. It's I went from rejected to accepted, from an orphan to a son and daughter, from somebody who was strung out on drugs Had no call, no purpose in life, was living life half dead to somebody who's alive with the very presence of Jesus, full of joy, full of hope, full of the hope that we have in Jesus. That's my story. And it's powerful, and you've got one too, and you need to share it. People need to hear it. It's amazing how God will connect you with people that need to hear your story. Has God healed your marriage? Tell the story. Has God healed your finances? Tell the story. Has God given you a God dream that you're living the fulfillment in? Tell your story. Somebody needs to hear your story. I wanna play for you somebody's story. We're gonna hear it right now.
1: Hi, my name is Tim. I had an experience just this uh, last fall of working with a guy, and every day we would go to the restaurant and have lunch together. You know, I, I noticed that he had a little bit of Parkinson's or something that was causing his hand to shake. And I kept asking the Lord, Lord, do I need to pray for him? Uh, You know, maybe he'll be healed and and then he'll give his life to Christ. And I was just kind of playing it out in my head. I never heard a big booming voice from God. I just, day after day, as we'd have lunch, I'd be always asking the Lord. And I gave him a couple testimonies of what Christ had done in my life. Never actually asked him directly about his own relationship with God. his own understanding of who God is, who Christ is. Just a few weeks ago, I got a text saying that my friend had died in a plane crash right here in West Valley. And I was shaken by that. And my first thought went to all the times we had lunches together for the couple weeks we worked together and how I had just wanted this to share my the hope that's within me, but never kind of feeling an opening. I really realized that um, part of me was just looking for the wrong thing. I was trying to hear God in such a powerful way that that I missed just the commission in the great, in the Bible that says to go and preach the gospel. And whether you feel like it or not, whether you f- are hearing God's voice audibly or not, it's just, uh, it's just something are to do as believers in our everyday life it shook me enough that a boldness came on me and i went directly to the cleaning lady that was working in one of the units that i was doing carpentry work in and i went to her and i said who is jesus christ to you and she shared with me that she had she knew him she had a relationship with him i rejoiced But I was also able to uh, speak into her life and end up praying with her and we both went out encouraged. But the, the takeaway from that is that I want what these apostles had. Enable your servants, Lord, enable me, Lord, to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And that's my my challenge to you and to myself, is to, in season and out of season, be ready to share the hope that's within you and speak it with great boldness, with confidence, and because the love of God needs to be spread. The love of God needs to be heard by everyone. For God so loved the world that He gave His only one one and only Son, that whosoever should believe should not perish but have eternal life.
0: Come on, can we give Jesus a hand? I kind of like that testimony, but there's a part of it I don't like because there was a man that passed from this life to the next life, and my friend Tim didn't know. Where was he going to spend eternity? And I think sometimes... We just get so caught up in our Christian lives that we can forget that there's the reality of heaven and hell. And that people that don't know Jesus, they're going to end up in one place or the other. And we get to have a say in that. We get to play a part in whether people spend eternity in the very presence of God. They suffer even more so we get to play a part in whether people live in that life now on earth or they suffer there's too many people that are suffering the church needs to have a revival a revival of the heart for me I think that's where you know personally I've landed at times is is we can all find ourselves in where we get numb. We get numb to the people around us. We get our hearts get a little bit hardened and we forget that there's people all around us, that if we're aware, God has divine appointments for you and for me to share the hope of Jesus. If we'll be prepared to love people, to sacrificially get down on our knees. Do you know the other part of that verse in Revelations that we overcome, we conquer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. And here's here's a part that's significant that somebody reminded me of. And they loved not their lives to the death. In other words, they were willing to sacrifice their life so that other people could come to know Christ. Are you willing to do that? I love what CS Lewis says. He says the opposite of love isn't hate. It's indifference. If we're going to be honest with each other, that's where most of us land, like we've just gotten numb to the fact that people are hurting, the broken, they need that hope of Jesus. Here's where I want to land us today is I believe that where that begins is with the love of God towards us. If you're not experiencing, if you haven't experienced that love of God, if we're not continually living in that love of God, I love John 4, 19. He says, we though are going to love, love and be loved. First we're loved, now we love. We love because he first loved us. So you've got to encounter that love. So I want to ask you as we're closing, I want to pray for you. There's two groups of people I want to pray for. Number one, I want to pray for those of us who feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit this morning to say, I want to love like that, Pastor Lance. I want to to sacrificially love. And I haven't. My heart's been cold. It's been numb. And I wanna do that. The second group of people I wanna pray for is maybe you're here today and you've never personally encountered that love that changed your life like it did mine. And you wanna say, I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. I wanna know the love of God. So first, if you're here and you say, man, Pastor, I'm convicted today. I know Jesus, but I wanna love like he loves. And I wanna love better. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Well, first service, Almost the whole place, hands were up. God bless you, you can put them down. Now I wanna ask you, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you just heard about this man, Jesus, who came to cross the line between heaven and earth and to step into your mess, to step into your sin. And while we were still sinners, my Bible says that God still loved us. If that's the Jesus that you want to know and you want to experience that kind of sacrificial, unconditional love, just slip up your hand. Just be bold about it. Say, I want to become a Christian today. I want want to find Jesus. For the rest of you that just raised your hand before, I need your help to get more people in this room who don't know Jesus. Be an Andrew. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. The worship team is going to lead us in a final song. Father, I feel your presence here with us. I thank you for that presence. God, would you do heart surgery on us this morning? Father, I want to pray the prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, that you would enlighten, that you would awaken our hearts this morning to your love. God, to receive that love, to give that love unconditionally, sacrificially. Holy Spirit, would you open the eyes of our heart that we might be more aware of the people that you've placed around us that are hurting, that are broken, that are lost. And Holy Spirit, would you pour out your oil upon us? to empower us with your grace and give us your love and a heart for people that we would be a compassionate people, willing to go to the other side and love people right where they are, see them for who they are, call out their destiny, love them and bring them to you. In Jesus' name.